and you know when I decided that I really wanted to be able to get myself back into a physical condition that I was in um, I needed somebody to drive me to a workout facility and stuff like that and she was willing to do it um, so just because I, I decided to hey I wasn't gonna let what happened to me define me um, I still needed some avenue to help me achieve that outlook and achieve that in reality um, and she was the one that did that for me do you still um, remember or, where we left off last last time kind of uh, I think no <laughs> okay 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 so in, in the story I think we were around that you were living at your aunt's house and okay. went to that playground where you had like uh, a workout in and the people were coming over and like Uh, were inspired by you doing this. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. then afterwards we went into like how important it is um, having the mindset, having the having the perspective and the belief in your own abilities, and so that you can actually uh, achieve those incredible things. Yeah. Okay. Um, well then, yeah, that that's kind of my where the beginning of my personal recovery without the the real input of a medical staff kind of a, attending to you day, to, day in and day out. Um, that's kind of where that started then is right about there. Um, I did see some, um, some doctors and rehabilitation um, appointments every few weeks. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't, it wasn't night and day where, you know, you're in a hospital bed or in a, in a rehabilitation bed. And so you have a doctor checking on you every four hours and, um, nurses coming in to check your prescriptions and your vitals. You didn't have any of that. Um, so I was, this is the, the beginning point where it, the journey of my own kind of drive and instinct and determination really had to, um, be the the grounding point for what I was going to achieve or how I was going to recover. Um, and um, my aunt, um, the, the woman's a saint, um, raising two kids who are in middle school. I'm about to be in high school. Their sports schedules, um, my rehab schedules, carting me around because obviously I couldn't drive. I still had a thing. Um, she had their pets that they had in the house. Um, And her husband um, travels extensively for work. Actually, the year prior, he had spent more time um, traveling and out of the United States than he did in it um, because uh, of the, the company that he works for and the work that he does. He's an attorney for some, some large um, corporation. Um, and so she's, she's the – the woman who's got to keep uh, everything afloat while he's gone and take care of me at the same time. And she managed to do it with a smile and with grace. So um, I, I don't know if my aunt will see this. I'll tell her to watch it, but God rest her soul. She's a, she's a, um, uh, was a wonderful uh, inspiration and person in my life. Um, but uh, having somebody like her um, as well, I, you had a lot of negative or I had a lot of negative um, sort of outlook from doctors and even from other family members who were the, um, they gave me that, Oh, well you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't push yourself. Don't hurt yourself any more than you already have and just take it easy or, um, and 
my aunt never really told me any of that. She never told me, she never really gave me the encouragement. Like, yeah, you can do that. But at the same time, she never was like, no, you shouldn't. Um, or you'll never be able to. She, she never really said any of those types of things. Um, so the having somebody who is kind of in, in essence in your corner, that helps a lot too. Um, and you know, when I decided that I really wanted to be able to get myself back into a physical condition that I was in, um, I needed somebody to drive me to a workout facility and stuff like that. And she was willing to do it. Um, so just because I, I decided Hey, I wasn't going to let what happened to me define me. Um, I still needed some avenue to help me achieve that outlook and achieve that in reality. Um, and she was the one that did that for me. Um, and living with her, um, it was, um, I, I got lucky in that the way her house is set up, um, she has a spare bedroom on the first floor, so I didn't have to do stairs. Um, and there's a bathroom that was right next to that, that, uh, spare bedroom as well. So I could shower and go to the bathroom and everything without, again, having to do any type of stair work or anything like that. So there, there wasn't as big of a, a risk of me falling or hurting myself. Um, and then, uh, having, uh, the ability to kind of be self-sufficient then. So that was a morale booster and an emotional, um, kind of positive because I wasn't, I wasn't requiring help from anybody else to get dressed or to go to the bathroom or, um, anything like that. It was the first kind of semblance of self-reliance, um, after the accident, um, uh, taking my own medications, um, they're administering my injections all on my own. So that, that kind of situation puts a morale boost, which really helps your mindset. So, yeah. How, uh, how was that? So you were now in the kind of physical part, you were almost ready in, in rehab, but how was it like mentally? Nobody was expecting anything from you in, in order to like, okay, I need to, be that good at a certain uh, time, but how was it for you, for your own uh, expectation? Did you have like, okay, I need to be back in the work in the workforce in this kind of in this specific time, or what was your your drive? Like, do you did you have some goals? Did you what you wanted to achieve? Um, the the biggest I don't know for sure because it was so long ago, but the the feeling that you get the um, the pride almost probably what I would, would say is what drove it. Having the pride that gets you through, um, to a situation, um, of, you know, I'm better than this or I'm better than this accident or, you know, because nobody's telling you what to do. You're like, I could either sit there and just binge watch Netflix all day and kind of live with the pain that I had. Um, but I was never one to be as everyone to be focused on anything for long periods of time like that. It's almost like an ADHD kind of mentality. You know, I I'm always on the go. I've always wanted to do something. I've always, I've always had this kind of drive naturally, whether it's to, to play, um, sports or to create something or work on vehicles or even my job. It, 
there's never kind of this stagnant kind of feeling or personality to me. So being in a situation where people almost expect you to be just stagnant and lazy um, and healing, it, it didn't fit with my who I am as a person very well. So um, sitting in a bed, you kind of get this mentality, okay, what can I do? Well, what What is there to do? And the obvious thing in front of you is these five pins sticking out of your leg and, you know, okay, that, that became the focus, all right? What, what do I do in this situation? Well, let's make it stronger. Let's walk. And so that just fed on itself and became an organic line where instead of just trying to walk, it, okay, let's, let's strengthen it. And how can I get it to be even stronger than it was before? And all right, they said never walk. Well, what do we got to do to be able to run? And um, so it, it naturally fed on itself and fed into that personality trait I had of you can't tell me what to do. Um, mentality and kind of ballooned from there and it it just took over so there was always the the mindset of i can go higher faster stronger and oh, yeah. want to do that okay oh yeah absolutely wow. especially coming from the physical condition i was in in the marine corps and then now all of a sudden i'm expected to be this couch potato with a leg and i mean it it just wasn't who I was before the accident. It it just wasn't going to be me after. So um, I, I did what I had to just out of um, just who I am purely as a person. And um, I got I got lucky that my my aunt was willing to transport me in order for that to happen. Um, but then even still, after a few months leaving my my aunt's house and going to um i went to go stay with my stepmom and my brothers once i had um the ability to walk with crutches um and i was allowed to put about 75 percent of my weight on my leg um they decided to take the pins out um i still have all the plates but they they took the pins into my leg and at that point is when i went to go live with my my stepmom and my brothers again and the in doing that i moved away from my rehabilitation um or my yeah my outpatient rehab facilities so the ones i was visiting every other week or so weren't they were an hour and a half away and i didn't have a way to get to them so the kind of doctor mental faculty input ended completely then um okay so there's no input at all rather than just not just 24 hour. Now it's non-existent. Um, and my, my family is not a rich family. Um, they, they have a burden just like anybody else and having kids who are in sports and in school and one about to go to college. Um, my parents, they were struggling financially. And so, I, I wanted to get back to work. Not only could I walk again, now I wanted to, to spend my time doing something productive and making my own money and, and providing for myself again. And the first job that I got was about six miles from my house um, off of, a, 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 I guess it would be a state, state highway um, with no sidewalks or anything to get to it. And it had a little shoulder, but uh, 
the only way I could get to it because my mom worked, my stepmom was working at the time, and my brothers were in school. So the one brother who was in high school who could drive, he had his own his own schedule, um, and I couldn't drive on my own, and I didn't have a vehicle. Um, so I ended up riding a bike. So I couldn't bend my leg far enough to pedal normally. So I had to raise the seat as high as I possibly could. Um, so that way my knee had to bend minimally, but I would ride a bike six miles to work, do my shift and then bike up six miles home. Um, and I would do that five days a week. What, what, what uh, kind of job was that? Um, I worked a physical job. I worked in a receiving dock for farm and fleet. So all of the animal feed bags, the 50 to 80 pound animal feed bags, I handled and loaded every customer, ran them to the floor, stocked the shelves. Um, and then same thing, the actual outside. So they were a farm supply company. So fencing panels, hog fencing, um, any of the machine equipment, uh, watering tanks, uh, the whole nine, we handled them um, and loaded people, unloaded people, um, tracked inventory, unloaded semi-trucks, loaded semi-trucks, um, did it all. Um, and that's what I did as a at my first job after my accident. It was a very physically demanding job. Um, out in the elements, you know, it could be downpouring, thunderstorms, and here I am outside hogging, throwing 140 pound fence panels into the back of a truck bed. But but your leg was still like what was it 75% or 57% that, done? Yeah, I could I could put weight onto it, but I had a brace um that I was using um and by no means was anything I doing suggested. Yeah, <laughs> it was, I was not, just <laughs> It was not something that doctors would say was a smart decision, but um I I paid attention to it and I listened to it. So I was, I was always in pain. I still am. So pain was nothing new, but I, I could understand when I wasn't at what I would call baseline, whenever my pain was more than I knew it should be or what I was used to, I, I kind of knew it was my body telling me I should probably take it easy. Um, but, uh, I wasn't, there was no way just any pain was going to be the, the reason why I went, no, nah, I can't do this. So, um, and my wife and now she's the same way. She tells me, you know, you're in pain. Why are you doing this? And you need to, you need to take it easy. And it, it's hard to kind of convey to people that like, just because you're in pain doesn't mean you should stop. It, you know, pain, pain isn't weakness. Um, and I'm, I'm an educated and I'm intuitive on myself. So I would understand when my pain was at a point of my body trying to tell me something versus the pain of the accident. And um, to this day, I still run with that same idea. I know when I'm in pain, and I know when I'm in so much pain, my body's trying to tell me something. Um, but, but were you in uh, on meds back then still? Like, were you taking meds? Uh, no, that's when, I, that's when I quit cold turkey because I didn't have access to doctors anymore. And I was like, there, there's no point. I, I don't want to go find a doctor just to get put back on pain pills. I was, oh man, I was how was that? How was that cold turkey going off the mats? I, I can only imagine how insane that is. Um, I spent you, three days took... in the hospital. Oh, because my body, my body went in, um, went in not remission. What's the term? 
my body was addicted to it. Even though mentally I wasn't like, oh, I've got to have this. Um, my body was. It was so used to the opiates and um, it, it did. It felt like I was practically dying. And um, I spent three days in the hospital with fluids being pumped into me. And well, we, the doctors and nurses saying, well, we could give you a low dose opiate to help with the withdrawal symptoms. And I was like, no, that's the reason why I'm in this in the first place is because of opiates. So um, I just sucked it up for the three days and let my body try and work through it. And then um, I, I had like an almost permanent headache like a migraine, um, for almost a month. Um, my body wasn't in as much pain after that, but my head was still throbbing. Um, but eventually now if I drink, I drink water, like I'm a fish. So I, I have to keep myself, uh, well hydrated. Um, and every now and then I'll take something like Excedrin, um, when my migraines get really bad, but, uh, that's the way that I cope now. I don't. I don't take an opiate painkiller. But that's, um, this is normal painkiller, or what is it? I use a tramadol. It's a synthetic that's opiate free, and I do just 50 milligrams. It's it's a baby dose. It, it's enough to kind of take the edge off, but it doesn't by no means make it go away. Um, but and I my doctor said I could take that up to twice a day. I don't. I take it once every two or three days, sometimes like once a week even. Um, but those are – it's really maintained for those situations where my body's in so much pain it's starting to tell me something. That's when I really use that, um, when I'm getting to that point. Um, but uh, going going cold turkey, I it was probably the best decision I've made so far because – I was in I was in such a drugged state from all the medications I was on. I wouldn't have had the cognitive ability to do a job, um, even if I had wanted to. Even if I had the drive, I would have been able to physically function um, on all of those drugs. So um, I cut them cold turkey. Um, I probably could have done a better job at weaning myself off of it, but I'm one of those. I was just I was so so gung-ho and just so over it um, that I'm, I cut it all out. And uh, having that first job working, you know, the five, six miles that I had to ride a bike to and from, um, at that point, I didn't have tramadol, so I didn't have painkillers, even the mild ones then. Um, so I was I – was, I think I was truly probably living on adrenaline more than anything because I was in so much pain. I was always kind of, kind of had this amp, amped up kind of feeling because my body was trying to cope, cope with it. So I kind of basically lived off of adrenaline at that point, adrenaline and coffee. Um, Once but, you also said like a scale of like how intense that pain was at that point when you started working, how, how severe was that pain to have like just a notion of it? On my scale, it would have been like a seven or eight. On um, most people, what I what I can relate or I try to convey, most people, I'm probably probably would have been a nine the whole time, ten to some people. It would have been pain that I know some people can't handle, wouldn't be able to, and that's nothing against them. Everybody handles everything differently, and everybody is a product of their environment and a product of their their situations that they've gone through. So, 
just just because I'm in such intense pain that other people can't handle doesn't warrant that they're not stronger as strong as I am or something like that by any means. Um, there are people who could handle pain even higher than I can handle. So, um, but on a on a pain scale for me, it was it was pretty pretty unbearable. And I know that there are people in this world who wouldn't have been able to handle it on a moderate scale, let alone daily. Um, or even in living with it every day, like I do, but going from that job, I, uh, eventually, um, was offered a job locally about, about a mile from my house. I had to walk basically through a park and then over some railroad tracks and I was at work. Um, so I ended up leaving that job working outside in that far away, riding a bike and being able to walk to work in about 20 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, and what kind of uh, job was that? I worked at a hardware store local. I worked at an ACE hardware. It's a local kind of mom and pop general hardware store. Um, and they're all over the place. Every small town has one practically, but, uh, I, at one point years back, I used to be the groundskeeper for, um, eight baseball fields that were little league and minor league, um, or like, uh, high school league and below. Um, and they hosted the little league world series, um, state tournaments there at the fields I took care of. And I was on my own. It's just me, um, as a, as a summer job. And so a, a lot of my hardware and a lot of the seed and the fertilizers and things that I needed, I got from this hardware store. So I knew most of the people going in convenient. Um, I, yeah. So, I had already had some sort of uh, a relationship uh, with those people. So um, they, uh, they were more than gracious and they understood the situation I was in. And I, I kind of became just their handyman. I, I would build different displays. Um, I built a couple, they have a, um, a bunch of barn wood and lap wood and stuff that they had left over. So I built them these product displays for them and stuff. Um, and rebuilt one of their offices interior, um, helped with some computer programs and then just the mild stuff services, repairing windows and window screens, glass and glazing, um, cutting keys, simple little things like that. Um, but they, uh, they were more than accommodating for the, my leg and the, the, time that I needed to sit down or, um, to rest or give it a break. Um, and at about that time, um, is when my wife and I now back then we were still dating and she had gotten, um, I had only worked for that hardware store for about three months maybe. And my wife got a job, um, as a, as an attorney out here in, um, Whiteside County, so about two and a half, maybe three hours from where we were living then. And she, it was, you know, we'd only been dating for, man, maybe five months. And uh, she was like, I've, I'm leaving for a job. You Will you come with? And I had already known from first day that I was going to marry her. So um, without hesitation, no job, no prospects, minimal savings. Um, I said, yeah. And so we moved out here 
literally about a week and a half later. Um, oh, wow. That's super we found, fast. We, we found a place to rent. We came out, um, took a look at it, signed the lease, got the keys, came home, and we had the U-Haul filled the next day. Um, and uh, I came out here, um, and we've lived out here for about two and a half years now, maybe not quite two and a half, two and a quarter. Um, but, uh, we came out here and about five months after that, I proposed and three months after that we got married. So we were married after being together for about a year, year and two months. Um, we got married. Um, and then the rest is history. We, we now purchased a house. Um, we bought a house out here. Um, I recently changed jobs. I, I was working at a Menards hardware store, so a big box hardware store out here. Um, I was promoted three times in 10 months. Um, and then um, I was offered a position with higher pay, better hours, better benefits, um, less stress, um, helped me with my health situations a lot. Um, and I took that job and I've been working for them now for about 90, a little over 90 days, a little over three months. Um, and I was just offered a salary position instead of hourly. Um, oh, just, just, just this Monday, just two days. Oh, ago. no way. Congrats. Yeah, so, thank you. Um, so now I'm, I'm here. I, I'm working eight blocks from the house. So I literally can walk eight blocks down Avenue D here and you're at my house. Um, I have, Almost the same schedule as my wife. She works 8 to 4.30. I work 7 to 3.30, so we have one-hour difference. We have every weekend off together. No more nights or weekends that I'm away killing myself. Um, and uh, for medical, um, you know, here in America, we don't have um, universal health care. Um, so it's a huge expense that a lot of people have to pay. Um, generally, work or businesses will help. They'll pay a portion of your insurance, and then you cover the other portion. Um, this company is the only one I've ever heard of. They actually pay 100% of all medical insurance for every employee. Um, and they oh, wow. also cover 100% of a life insurance policy for every employee, which I've never heard of ever happening. I've always heard that companies help. I've always been a part of companies that give something, but they cover everything. You never, you never pay a dime towards your health insurance. That almost sounds they pay like you, you basically double the, the salary you get. Almost. Almost, it, almost for every employee. And um, they it's, I mean, it's one of the like, people – I've talked to the owner and things before, and people say he's, he's crazy to pay that. But his, his biggest thing is, is that he wants his employees to have – a good life because if they're not happy at home, they're definitely not going to be happy at work. Um, so he, he has a mentality. They, he, they treat you like family here at this business. Um, no matter who you are. And there is a lot of family that works here. There's a lot of husband and wife or children and they don't work. None of them really work together. I will say that, you know, there's no nepotism in any way. So it's not like the dad can pay his son more money or anything like that. Um, the owner himself, um, he has two sons that work here and they're not managers. One of them works in a quoting office and the other one is a laborer. He's an assembler at the production plant. He's the guy cutting his hands and getting greasy. 
You know, he's not some guy sitting in a cushy, air-conditioned office just getting a salary. He's out there grinding, grinding steel. Um, and um, even um, the vice president, you know, he's got his daughter who's here and works for the company. And same thing. She's a change agent. She's the one who does everything for everybody. So if anybody needs something or if there's a, a product that's missing in production or is slow on production, she's the one making sure it gets done. So she's running all over town from one production plant to the other. And then she's got to be the one who contacts all the vendors. And same thing. She's not sitting in an air-conditioned office. She's part of the packing along with that guy who works in assembly. She's over there covered in grease, covered in grime, safety glasses, day in and day out. So everybody here has an incredible work ethic. Even if they are family, most people get this bad taste. Oh, it's, it's a family company, you know, and there's some kind of favoritism and there's not by any means. Oh. Um, and the, uh, with that though, everybody is treated like family because of that. Um, people who aren't related, but in any way, you know, they still, um, they take care of you and they check your mental well-being and how you're doing, what kind of stresses and how's your family doing? How are the kids? How's your wife? Um, hey, I heard your mom's sick. How's she doing? You know, that that comes out of everybody's mouth all the time. There's always a, a camaraderie that I've, I've never felt or seen other than the Marine Corps. You know, and it's one of the things I missed after I left the Marine Corps is that that brotherhood, that camaraderie you had. You, you No matter what, whether you loved them or hate them, and anyway, in the Marine Corps, you had each other's backs. You knew it without fail. And you knew you had support if you needed it. And this is the first place that outside of that that I felt is a resemblance of that. Yeah, I was I was thinking, how was the, the change from being in a Marine Corps to like getting those jobs of packing, uh, of unloading those trucks in the first job and then the second one and now this one, like, How, how did you make the transition from the Marine Corps to such a job and with, with your uh, lag as well? Um, I think I'll have to save that for another time because I've got a snag back in. Um, all right, so that all gives right. me a stopping point where we can go again. <laughs> um, the, uh, I, I can. I can go in. That'll be a, a good uh, thing to talk about in uh, my life in the Marine Corps and its structure and And the things that it, I had already had instilled in me, but the things that it then taught me and how it, uh, it affected the, the real world after my accident. All right. All right. Thanks well, for the time again. Back inside. Yeah, no problem. Uh, <laughs> shoot me a message. I guess we'll, we'll try again for another day, yeah. uh, either later in the week or next week. Um, and we'll continue. Awesome. Happy to see you then. All right. Yeah. Have you a have nice a good day. one, man. We'll yeah. talk soon. Bye.